So welcome to another of our podcast editions on keeping the promise across Scotland. This builds on our previous podcasts of children's hearing system and doing the data differently. This podcast is around a good childhood and whole family support. Can I say a warm welcome to my lovely guests this afternoon, Leanne and Karen, and we're having a roundtable discussion on whole family support and would really like to hear more about your family wellbeing service. Before I do some introductions from yourself, my name is Alison Sutherland and I'm the new Head of Support at The Promise Scotland. Can I take this opportunity to say a huge thank you to you for your time today and really excited to hear what you've got to say. So Leanne, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi there, I'm Leanne Hart. I'm Service Manager uh, from Children First with East Shemshire Family Wellbeing Service. Karen? Yeah, I'm Karen Shields. I'm Service Manager at Intensive Services at HSCP East Renfrewshire. Brilliant, thank you. So, as you know, whole family support, good childhood are at the heart of the promise. So, I wonder if you could tell us about what is the East Renfrewshire Family Wellbeing Service and how did it come about? So, the, the Family Wellbeing Service was developed in 2017 that was when we we first started supporting families however before we got to that point there was a, a long time spent thinking together East Renfrewshire and Children First thinking about how can we offer the best support we can to children young people and their families where children young people are experiencing emotional distress at the time East Renfrewshire were recognising and the data was telling them that there was lots of children and young people who were needing support around about their emotional wellbeing and mental health and at that time the support offer that could be given was either via GPs or CAMS but that was not where those children and young people and their families were needing support and the conversations were happening with East Remshire and Children First together thinking about what is what do we offer these children and families? What support can we offer them? And kind of working really closely together, co-production, and thinking about um, the best support for children and families. We came together with and and kind of consulting with families. Think the we came together to think oh, the whole family kind of intensive whole family support approach was the right support, and the kind of that was how the family wellbeing service was born. Um, and I think that recognition that children don't exist in isolation, they're a, mm-hmm, they're part of a family mm-hmm. and the existing services were focused on on that individual approach to, to children, uh, whether even I think some of the input from schools, which all that is really valuable, but what was missing when we looked uh, at our data and also looked at what families were telling us was that approach that included the whole family round about a child mm-hmm. and how that would be key to making those changes mm-hmm. and a recognition that that those were children and young people who didn't necessarily meet the tariff for a CAM service okay. and, and potentially probably not even a targeted social work intervention. Mm-hmm. But how did we support those children, young people and their families without the need mm-hmm. for coming to either social work or CAMS and to give that route through the GP that mm-hmm. was probably a bit different from from Mm -hmm. other routes into services. Mm -hmm. You mentioned data. What kind of data were you talking about there? 
Well, we were looking predominantly at the number. Of, I, th- I think, like all services, the, the quite often the tension points tell you where mm-hmm. where where most need mm-hmm. is, uh, and like many other authorities, that that tension about CAMs and waiting lists, and actually children on those waiting lists that mm-hmm. don't necessarily need that level of clinical support. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be predominantly where our data was coming from. A bit thinking about those, and then I think even. Across the, as we've developed the services over time, what our data then increasingly told us during COVID was that those children and young people were the, were more likely to come to the attentions of services because of their mental health. Mm-hmm. So it was quite reaffirming that this had been the yeah. route that, that we had gone down. And then obviously nobody had predicted a global pandemic, but actually it was reassuring then for us that we had almost, we had picked the the, the right place mm-hmm, to target yeah. our support because the pandemic then was telling us that actually those were the children that were coming eh, to the forefront and looking for help and support and services. So in some ways we, were, we, we weren't necessarily on the back foot about that because we had an existing mm-hmm. service and the family wellbeing service that gave that support to the whole family and predominantly round about mental health and well-being that didn't meet the threshold for CAMS. Huge area, isn't it? You've mentioned partnership working. So what kind of partners are we talking about and how important was that to making this a success? The partnership's been absolute key from the kind of early conversations we are, there was the kind of shared vision the recognition of a kind of approach that we both felt was the right approach to take to offer support to children and families. Um, and from that early kind of beginning of thinking about what the service might look like, right through to six and a half years later, where we're at now, the partnership's been absolutely critical mm-hmm. in terms of everything, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> like, kind of making sure we're offering the right support to children and families, kind of adapting our support, but always maintaining the fundamental um, whole, the mm-hmm. kind of whole family support offer that we were. Mm-hmm. So that core that offer core, and the, yeah. yeah, okay, and building on that. And then recognising where we needed to. So we, we spoke, we have conversations a lot and we've, we've done other kind of presentations together and the importance of the kind of honesty and yeah. uh, difficult conversations that's what's made this partnership really work. We've been able to be really honest yeah. with each other, you know, Children First and the HSCP in East Remshire, thinking together about what do we need to do now? Where do we need to go? What, like the pandemic's a prime example mm-hmm. where we've needed to really think thoughtfully mm-hmm. about our services yeah. and about how we meet the needs of children and families. And I think really from, from the very off, it's about those core shared values mm-hmm. and about the importance of and in a genuine way, hearing the voices of children and young people and their families. So we had started on that almost safe footing that, that mm-hmm. our intention was the same and our core values were the same. So I think that's that's made the partnership journey really quite straightforward. And as Leanne said, we've spoken at length about when there is difficult times because there is. And I think... The, the quote I'd used the last time we spoke about, this isn't nirvana. Look, we're very yeah. clear that when we're talking about it, this is not without, It's no yeah. partnership is without pitfalls. But I suppose what we're trying to do is model the relationship that we want yeah. to have with children and young people. And that's partnership 
transparency and, and having those those conversations when we need to be. So relationships, I don't think, it's hard to quantify, but I don't think we could underestimate how important it's yeah. been in the success of the work mm-hmm. that we've done and how the work's developed mm-hmm. from those early thoughts and trialling out almost a, a pilot approach yep. to is this the right thing to do to where we are six and a half years later and we almost have a... It feels like a whole childhood approach now. So we've got various interventions that we partner with with Children First and other voluntary organisations, but it's about thinking about that continuum of a child's life yeah. and also about a continuum of services. Where do we dip in? Where do we dip out? And who's the best place to provide that? And I think that's been key to the relationship saying, I'm not sure if that should be mm-hmm. us. Maybe that should be you. Mm, mm. I don't know if we can do it. So those really difficult conversations about what does a service look like? And then at tricky times, like yeah. as all local authorities, voluntary sector, all partnerships are facing really difficult financial times. How do you have those really honest conversations and keep at the core the value that you really still want to provide that level of service that that our children and young people have been able Mm -hmm. to benefit from for six and a half years, Mm -hmm. which is hugely significant. That is, yeah, no, definitely. You've mentioned the six and a half years, which is a long time for a project and building on the, the learning I'm sure you've taken from the pilot. How much has it changed over that time? And are you adapting more now to meet different needs or are you sort of strengthening different approaches and, you know, sort of um, upscaling? You know, could you say a wee bit more about that? So since the 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 beginning of the service. So I, I came on board at the kind of the, the design phase had happened. So I came on board at that time as team leader um, to really deliver the service and build the team. Um, and I suppose over since then to where we are now, it's been there's been growth, but it's been staged growth. So it started off, as Karen said, as a year's pilot. Right. Um, so... A, a, like a small test for change then we grew that a wee bit more just always testing out are we are we on the right track here mm-hmm. is, are our thoughts the right thoughts is our approach the right approach and and constantly seeking feedback from children and families all the time and having the conversations with each other as a partnership and I suppose one of the things when I was listening to Karen talking they are what one of the things that's made our partnership really strong from our perspective, from Children First perspective, as a third sector provider, we've always felt equal at the table mm-hmm. for the conversations. Mm-hmm. We're very much, we're part of the kind of strategic conversations in East Renfrewshire, where our opinion, our expertise is valued. And I think that's been really critical in making us a really good partnership. And that's not always the case for third sector uh, partnerships. Third sector voice is not always given the the place at the table if you like um, so that's that's been really important in our relation in our relationship and our partnership so going back to kind of the, the growth of the service we just we've been really robust over the six years looking at the kind of impact of the support what kind of what are we trying to achieve in terms of systems change and how does it feel for children and families and what's the impact for them and being really bust, robust around about that yeah. Um, over time so there's been growth mm-hmm. um, it's, it's been really because there's a need and the pandemic really has made there's an, a, there's an acute need for support around about mental health and uh, children's emotional well-being and there's there's never been a, 
a more important time to have support services and our whole family approach to supporting emotional distress and mental health. So you mentioned impact of the service. So what has the impact been on children, on young people, on whole systems approach? Could you say a wee bit more about that? I, I think probably, a, a, again, a key to the, the service having such an impact is those really kind of critical often seen as not valuable bits about us coming together as a partnership mm -hmm. and actually looking at, at data regularly mm -hmm. and sitting down around the table and having those questions of each other, curiosity about, so how many is that and what does that mean and mm -hmm. what have those outcomes been? And I think that's for us reinforced then when we do get, and I, and I think Leanne can speak to the figures, but the, the consistent improvement in reported mental health has been I suppose the key thing that's made us think that actually we continue to invest in this, this will still be a big part of our offer and I think it's about uh, evaluating that impact too which again I'm talking from many years of third sector experience as well, it's sometimes yeah. quite hard to articulate that mm -hmm. but I think what this this partnership has done very well is, is there's been the rigour about yeah. that throughout and and those critical questions about so what has the difference been mm -hmm. uh, and that's not just about uh, I, I love data but it's not just about data it's about then hearing those Family those stories. real life yeah. stories yeah. and actually what that's meant so we, we can have the data that tells us that a young person is feeling better which is great but actually the stories about families saying I don't know where I would have been without this mm -hmm. service. Mm -hmm. uh, and that that voice coming, actually, it's not a doctor, it's not CAMS, it's not social work, it's somebody there that's kind of walking the walk with you. Mm -hmm. And those those voices have been critical al alongside the Absolutely. data that showed that consistent improvement in young people's mental health. What was really important <clears throat> and what has been important throughout this journey as well has been there's always been clarity about what what we're what we're trying to achieve through the service. So mm -hmm. what are the kind of systems change and impact we're trying to make and what what benefit do we want it to be for children and families? And there's always been a, an understanding of where we're going with the service. So lots of clarity about purpose. Mm -hmm. And it's really important because that then helps us be really clear about what the support is we're wanting to offer children and families and why we're there to support children and families as well and how we were really clear in being able to give families what they need in terms of support. Mm -hmm. What have the barriers been? What have the challenges been? I'm sure you've encountered many, but how, what were they? How did you overcome that? I think probably, and not necessarily a barrier, but I think, uh, and like Leanna wasn't, uh, involved at the very initial stages of planning but it, the referral route's probably quite unusual into this kind of service that it comes from GPs okay. and uh, Leanne can talk much more about this but I think the, the, there had to be a real investment in mm. that referral process uh -huh. and what, what was the information coming and about consent because in fairness to GPs as we know they have a very short period of time to see a young person and a family and it's about the service getting the information that they needed to make sure that was the right information and then over the years how that's developed about how we make sure as a service we've got consent 
for a service and that it's the right one and there's been many iterations over the years about how we do that mm -hmm. so it's not necessarily been a barrier but it's been a focus of the work to make sure mm -hmm. that we are getting the right children and young people referred in mm -hmm. we've got the information that we need and we're not increasing the delay because I, at the very outset, the reason the service developed was so that children and families weren't waiting on waiting yeah. lists for other services. So that's been a critical part that, that's evolved over time. And actually the, the service has... A, 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 they always amaze me, the figures about the number of families that they've managed to contact within two weeks. Mm -hmm. And we've, when we compare that to other services across the board, my own included, you know, two weeks is a really short time is, for families yeah. to get that message mm -hmm. that at least someone has heard them mm -hmm. and there will be help at a point. Mm -hmm. And that's been critical, I think. Yeah, one of the... So kind of going back to the evolution of the service, one of the kind of bottom lines we put in place from the, the first day was that when families go to their GP, because it's pretty much all families come to us through their connection with their GP, um, and that we wanted to have, we wanted to make a commitment as part of our service offer that within two weeks of the GP speaking to us, we would make contact with the family. Um, and th the importance of connecting with the family that quickly to hear from them what what support they feel they need, or I suppose even taking a step back from that, why, what help are they looking for? What's going on? What's difficult for them? Why do they need help? Really just us asking some key questions to help them process, make sense of their, their story and to start sharing it with us. So from that very first call, we're, we're getting to know the family and helping them to have some space and time to share their story and to think with them about what support that they would benefit from or that they might find helpful. So what what can we do to help them? Um, and that the support beginning from that point, and we've maintained that for the whole time of the, the, the figures are in the 90%, you know, the target's 90% of all families that come into con like who are connected with our service that will contact with them within two weeks. Um, and the most recent annual report, it was... 98% of families are connected within and it's high numbers that's fantastic yeah and we've managed to maintain there's been challenges and it was difficult during uh, the pandemic for various reasons but it's been something we've always aspired to it was a bottom line that mm -hmm. we didn't want to mm -hmm. lose from the service mm -hmm. and families tell us that that has been so important because because of the very nature of the route into the service families are going to the GP seeking support they're going when they're ready for support. They're not being mandated from somebody else. They've not been a referral's not been made by a service. They're they're seeking out support. So they go to their GP, they're in a place of we need this, we're yeah. ready for this. Can you please help me? Mm -hmm. And what we are really quickly able to do. And it's that call is the beginning of the support. It usually takes about an hour. The worker take we've got a dedicated group of staff within our team that do that work. And then we within that first call, we agree with the family. What is obviously one member at that moment, but we're in the first call, we're beginning to hear about the, the kind of what's going on in the family, what's happening for your child, your young person, um, and what do you need? And hearing from the parent, because quite often it is a parent, and they're so distressed because 
they want their child to feel better. They want to be able to help their child. They don't understand what's going on in my family. Why is, why is this happening? It's all different. You know, it's a different story for every family, as we'll, we'll all know that. Um, but the importance of it is about giving them the time, the space. I've had first calls with a parent that's lasted hours and just having to be present for them and give them that space and time. But really importantly, one validating, actually, it's most of the times it's not surprising that they're feeling like this or all of the time because it's that's their story and the impact. And so validating that, but also pulling out, despite this, you're managing to do X, Y, or Z, like the strengths. What are the strengths that this parent's had to survive this or that their child's okay? And that, for me, is kind of fundamental parts of a whole family support approach. It's about really hearing you're thinking always about the child and the parent, the child and the, or the young person, sorry, but then you're really understanding what does it feel like to be a child in that family and what support can we give to the family to help the child? <laughs> Not, right, okay, let's take your child and we'll sort them and we'll, pull, them, we'll drop them back <laughs> in again. That doesn't... It might offer a brief moment of reprieve or uh, kind of alleviating distress, but it doesn't give long-term impact and change and improvement. And what we've... Part of the... The data gathering that we do is looking at um, GPD presentations. Okay. <clears throat> so we measure that. We, we, we ask when the, the family first come to us, how many times in the last six months have you seen this child, young person in relation to their emotional well-being? And then <clears throat> we'll ask throughout support. But then at the end, then, when we're, we're ending with a family, we'll ask if they've been back to their GP and how many times and then we also do follow up six months after we end and the six months post ending um, there's been an 86% reduction in representations at GPs so the, the impact on the system yeah, is significant that because, is. and that was one of the yep. hopes at the, in the early stages the hope was that it would alleviate some of the pressure on CAMS and we would alleviate some pressures on GPs mm-hmm. and it has from the data we've been able to to gather and be really rigorous about and keep as a partnership we're constantly looking at it um but we've got to that because of adopting a whole family support approach Mm -hmm. and not just tending to one part of the family it's about thinking about the whole family because children live and grow and exist in their relationships and their family and if that's not paid attention to there's not the impacts really and I think that's probably another barrier thinking about that so what we have learned certainly over time is that whole family support is not about a moment in time mm-hmm. it is about building on those existing strengths and working with a family for as long as they need yeah. you to work mm-hmm. with them for and also having easy routes for families to reconnect if things get difficult mm-hmm. so that you're don't necessarily need to start at okay. the beginning of the process. And I think that that different lens, again, even in, in, in my career from when you had the distinct period of time to do what you were doing, there was your evidence at that time. And then really you didn't know what happened after that. And this is this has felt much different to that. And that evidence over time that actually it's doing exactly what the initial setup pilot project was to do and it was to reduce that time that families were seeking support Mm -hmm. because as we know actually going to your GP can be a really difficult thing to do 
and to go to a GP to say that, that what you're worried about is either your own or your child's mental health is a huge step for parents. So that immediacy was really important. Mm-hmm. But also that what, what we've not managed as a partnership is thinking about, well, how many cases have you closed and how many have you opened? And that's almost feels like language from the past for yeah. us because it's about, this is about oh, sustainability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is about building in strengths over time. Mm-hmm. And what's important is the outcome mm-hmm. rather than how long it takes. And actually that's quite a difficult position to hold mm-hmm. when quite often Funding and financial constraints mean that things are in place for shorter periods of time. Mm-hmm. So for us, three years seems like a long time. Actually, in a family or several families' life, it's it's a snapshot. Mm-hmm. So a, a barrier is th- thinking when you get something that works, how do we sustain this over time? Mm-hmm. And how can this be something that becomes part of our offer mm-hmm. and, and not a project that lives and dies at the end of funding? Because that's not what our support does. Mm-hmm. And families need the support to continue. Yeah. I suppose you were asking what are challenges and barriers for a partnership like ours and for third sector providers, it absolutely is about funding and we've got a range of services that we um, deliver together in East Denfordshire and Children First together deliver and there's di- different services have different fundings and some are year on year and like many other places, that's that's quite a lot of the time that's third sector providers are living with really short periods of time the impact on that is on families is significant as well because as Karen's saying families don't stop and start needing support they generally need a period of support that shouldn't be dictated by what support there is services close and reducing because funding can't be provided longer term so We've been quite fortunate in in the family wellbeing service that we've been able to have longer periods of funding, but we're in a really difficult financial time at the moment for the whole sector and funding. Um, And it'll be a real challenge going forward to think how do we continue to deliver all our services with the current funding situation? And it's difficult for for third sector providers. The impact on that on families is much, much more significant. What do you think the Scottish Government could do then to enable further support? I suppose what, what thinking through what we know works because we're, I, th- I think we're much more advanced now in thinking about knowing what works. Mm-hmm. You know, the promise tells us this is about support at the right time and for how long you need it. That's mm-hmm. that's what young people and children and their families have told us. That longevity of funding, yeah. I think, is critical to planning. Mm-hmm. And it's funding is always welcome and we can't be creative without it. But there's something about how we traditionally fund any bits yeah. of work and that there'll be funding comes in and three years is a luxury in most funding mm-hmm. situations. The reality is you have to be absolutely on the forefront and in two years down the line thinking about what happens next Mm -hmm. and what is the next stream of funding and there's a real challenge I I think across the sector about how how do we continue to plan without knowing that the security of funding's there so I, I, I suppose in terms of what the Scottish Government can do it's about that sustained core funding, I think, mm-hmm. so is that partnerships like ours can plan further down the line without interruptions about thinking about 
need to be where do we get the money to yeah. keep this going? How what 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 funding stream will we look at now? Uh -huh. And actually, that takes a lot of resource, of course, and yeah, effort and planning, which is right. But I suppose if there was that security of longer term funding, there would be less demand on operational partnerships mm -hmm. to be thinking about. Actually, we need to think about mm -hmm. what happens March. 23 what happens March 24 mm -hmm. you know and that those year on year conversations uh, and I think we that that's probably something that we have managed very well over the piece and have been very grateful for external funding to come in to really help us boost what we've been doing uh, but the reality is when things start to shrink we'll have the same number of children and young yep. people and it's about that planning ahead uh, and quite often any bits of funding that come in we here in November and the that whether we're getting the next year. Mm -hmm. So it's all it's we're still funding in a reactive way yep. while trying to plan in a proactive way. Has the whole family wellbeing fund helped? Well that we interestingly that's where some of the service has, has moved over the years. So Leanne's service started and then probably just before COVID in East Renfrewshire we did a kind of large scale co-production event uh, with our children and young people, our partners in education, asking them actually what, what mm -hmm. they needed and again what came out of that was a really strong message about mental health mm -hmm. uh, and probably at that point the, the, the lens was more on mental health that necess didn't necessarily meet the, the criteria for Leanne's service so that more generic mental health and well-being and we got round the table again and thought about what is what is what does this look like now this feels like something else children young people are telling us that there's still this need but it's maybe a, a kind of lower levels not the right word but just that general feeling that children and young people still needed more support for their mental health that wasn't targeted services so we were able to use the some of that funding to think about what we did next. And during COVID, again, this is part of the strength of the partnership. We had existing partnerships with Children First, so mm -hmm. a lot of these conversations were much easier. And we were very quick. And we established another service, which is our Healthier Minds mm -hmm. service, that again, we're in partnership with. Uh, and that's responding to initially quite a different need mm -hmm. and we used uh, again creatively we used youth counselling funding and we brought together a new partnership that included children first but also our colleagues in RAMH, our school nursing colleagues, education colleagues, our CAMS colleagues and we created another service uh, with that we use a hub model so is that children and young people come to the hub mm -hmm. and then they're directed to the service mm -hmm. Uh, that best meets their needs, whether it's youth counselling or it could be the uh, Children First Service or it could, in fact, be back to family wellbeing. So there's that crossover between the services. So we use that bit of funding to, and that funds part of that. So that's what I mean about trying to be, we've been trying to be creative with what funds are there and use that to mm -hmm. plan forward about what the need is. And both the services have grown exponentially since they started uh, and both have evidenced consistently that improvement in children and young people's mental health and it's how do we sustain that yeah. then yeah. Uh, yeah and thinking about how does that become just part of our core business yeah. because the 
the kind of introduction and of the whole family wellbeing fund is great, but it's in alongside cuts in other places. So there's a conversation about what does that actually look like in reality when there's money being cut from one budget, but there's another one coming in the door. And I'm not saying this is not about you, Shem, so I just mean in general, yeah. general terms, across yeah. the board in yeah. Scotland, what's actually happening with the whole family wellbeing fund and how is it being used to deliver whole family uh, support services across the piece. No, that's really fascinating and some of the impact you've described is really impressive. We've touched on some of the, the barriers. What else do you think needs to change to enable more partnerships like this to flourish and you know to get in at that earliest point to help children, young people and families? I think that's quite difficult because I think as soon as you start to open the door to these partnerships, there's there's so many potential partnerships. And so people always have the best intentions. Mm -hmm. So it's quite difficult to think through why is that? Why does that not necessarily work other places and it's worked here? I suppose we have been fortunate and a lot of our success has relied on relationships both between organisations but also personal relationships yeah, yeah. and I think again that's about us trying to model what we want to be for our children and families and that's not to say that it doesn't necessarily it might not work elsewhere because you can't replicate that but it's coming back to that core value about what is important and where is the value placed so the value always comes back to children and young people but that can be really difficult and it mm -hmm. sounds like the easiest thing in the world to do. So I think a wider barrier is how do you take your, your eyes almost above the horizon to think, what would what would we want this to look like? Mm -hmm. What are our children and young people telling us? Mm -hmm. And I suppose that's another really tricky thing to do because quite often, as they should do, our children and young people and families tell us that what we're doing isn't working. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's a really hard message sometimes. It is. And also depending on the needs of individual children and young people and families, you know, you're trying to be as bespoke and nuanced yeah. as you can, but quite simply, you don't have the, the staffing or you don't have that resource. So it's trying to make sure that there's something for everyone. Mm -hmm. And that, I suppose, again, turning that on its head about that, not necessarily being a barrier because the fact that a family is still alive and they're still existing Absolutely. means that they do have strengths yeah. Yeah. And, and, and at times they're tested. But it's flipping that, I suppose, on its side because it, it traditionally we would go in and offer support. But actually, that's what we want to do is build that longevity for a family so that yeah. they feel empowered to be yeah, able totally. to use the resources that they have, yeah. whether it's their own resources, community resources, children go to school are part of a school community about widening out what we mean and not being precious about individual services I think that's another key part that's been critical to the partnership that it's not that this is I'm a GP and this is what I do I work in CAMS this is what I do it's like actually what's going to work best yeah. for that young person yeah. and and those those barriers coming down which is as soon as there's any threat to anybody of course we all it's a natural response and we understand that when families do it but we also need to understand it professionally so it's those barriers coming down saying actually Working in silos doesn't work for families. No. We know that. They tell us that really, really clearly. So how do we sit down and go, how do we get this family support right? 
And I think that for me is the key to whole family support. It's not about services that match. We've been fortunate, but the key to that is is being about what works for that family at this point in time. And us getting better as a profession, I think, and, and professionals to sit down and think about how do we cut the red tape and get to a point where we can sit and say, right, actually, this looks like the best fit. This looks mm-hmm. like the best support and let a family then flourish. And I think that is that is a barrier. And I guess having knowledge of all those different services within a local area, certainly from my experience, it is difficult to know in particular localities, what's that service, what do they do, how do I contact them? And you've got so many amazing services that you actually might not know about them. So I suppose it's that data and evidence gathering and mapping out what is where and for who, that, that's really important as well. And, and for us, so inviting people to sit at the table, which yeah, Leanne spoke about earlier, of course. and I think that that really has been key. This is not; it's it's almost like it's not a partnership for partnership's sake. It's true yeah. partnership. Uh-huh. So come and sit at our strategic meetings. Come and yeah. that it's, and as soon as you open the door to that, you have lots of partners then that you realise, and I think that's that's key. It's that I've already made the point, but that important bit about third sector partners being viewed as being equal in terms of what we can offer, our voice, our expertise, our knowledge, experience. And I suppose this is a good example where that has absolutely been the case. We've been respected and valued enough to be able to contribute and over the six plus years being part of those wider conversations about East Renfrewshire's strategy and in relation to emotional wellbeing and distress and how we support children and families that are needing support um, across lots of different kind of areas of need, I suppose. Um, we've been absolutely, I would say, an equal partner in the partnership. So what's your next steps and your plans for the service? <laughs> keep going. I keep going, yes, <laughs> of course. I, I, I think that's probably... Again, a bit like the children and families that we work with, it's 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 walking that walk. There will be changes. It's inevitable, uh, as as our probably our funding constraints change, but also listening to what children yeah. and families are telling us. We don't anticipate that the needs going to decrease. No. You know, overall, uh, we're making an inroad, obviously, to evidence change for for a small number of children and families, the need isn't going to go away. Uh, we're seeing increasingly increasing numbers through all our services in relation to mental health. So that that's not going to go away. I suppose the challenge for us moving forward is how do we develop that sustainability without losing the quality yeah. of what we've had already. And, and some really difficult conversations about that might mean it's less it's it's less children we have to target it more to ensure that we've got that longevity and how do we get that how do we Mm -hmm. get that right and then I suppose thinking from a a partnership lens if that means one bit shrinks where does everybody else go and how do we meet that need so I think going back to your earlier question Alison about what can the Scottish Government do that funding bit is critical about how do we plan over time Mm -hmm. Uh, so uh, uh, the need will remain, the partnership we're invested in and, and the work we know 
is making a difference. So we need to continue to invest in it in whatever yeah. shape that we can. And I think it's important that going forward that we hold on to what we know has worked well and what families have told us that has worked that's worked well for them in terms of what's the right support. The right support families tell us is for it not to be just about the child. It's about the family and helping parents to understand and make sense of what's going on for their child and then what can they do. And then parents get support to be able to support their children. Um, and that the parents tell us that's been really helpful, understanding what's going on for their kids um, and for them how they can help improve their children's life and be there for them. And Because I say to families straight away, we want to be with you for... We'll be with you as long as we need to, but we want to be with you as short a period of time as we can be. Because we want families to yep. to go on and and live good lives together without services being involved. Yeah. So I think it's really important that you know as we as we move forward, we hold on to the bits that have worked well yeah. and what families have told yep. us that's worked yeah. well for them. So I have no doubt on the back of listening to this podcast that people will be absolutely inspired and enthused and really you know hearing your passion about what you've achieved over. A, a relatively short yeah. period of time which is really impressive so thank you for sharing that what three pieces of advice would you give to people listening who think hmm we could maybe take you know uh, take forward a, a family wellbeing service in our area that will suit the needs of our families and localities what three bits of advice would you give them I think the first bit for me would have to be ask Mm-hmm. Ask your children, yep. ask your young Absolutely. people, ask your families yep. and listen to mm-hmm. what they tell you yep. would probably be my first. Me too. Yeah. Absolutely. First and foremost, their the voice. We, we talk about it all the time. We talk about children and young people need to be listened to. They need to be heard, need to be involved in decision making. Yeah, you have to do it in terms of delivering and developing services. Um, yeah. The second for me would probably be to not skip the step about investing in the partnership relationship mm-hmm. uh, because that, that has been critical not only to this service but the other services that, that, that we, we run together uh, who who include other partners. So it's a, in not missing the step about investing in that relationship and having those conversations about what are your aspirations for this service? Mm-hmm. What do you want to achieve? What will that look like? And having that clarity from from starting a process about what do you want to see at the end? And it's, I think that given the conversation we've just had about funding, but absolutely starting from a position of seeing how yeah. how much how yeah. can, how much time and money can we commit to this? Mm-hmm. Are we investing for the long haul? Because we started this partnership with an intention of, okay, this is not a year's pilot. This with is with the intention of, let's go forward together and make this part of our system, mm-hmm. and let's change it's our that system. longer term vision. Yeah, yeah, that longer term vision. So I think that's really really important and the shared vision. And yeah. the, the, all the work, like we constantly think together about are we still on the same page mm-hmm. here? Are we still are we still going forward in the same direction? So I think constantly keeping an eye on that as well and reviewing mm-hmm. that you're there's a kind of shared understanding. So voice, partnership, vision. Yes. 
Excellent. Absolutely. Can I say a huge thanks? That has been hugely motivating, inspiring. It's a, an amazing piece of work. And thank you for all that you do each and every day to keep the promise. Thank you. Thank you.